Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. All right, welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 73. Dave, how are you doing there? Um, I guess I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving. Okay. Which is, you will probably have heard this after Thanksgiving, but that is, uh, well, I guess it's a week from today. Today's Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, a week from today. So we're having very small, just our immediate family. Good. Coming in, testing, double tests. They've been quarantining our three kids. One of them is here with us now, so we're being extremely careful. Dr. Fauci would be very proud of you. Actually, no. I saw Dr. Fauci today. His kids are not coming. They're not coming, yeah. Yeah, but Dr. Fauci is 79, and I'm not there yet. Right. (laughs) I'm only 58. So, but I think, Doctor, I'd say on a scale of one to ten, ten being, you know, you're basically wrapped up in a bubble suit and you're never leaving your house, and one being, uh, <laughs> you know, not caring at all. I'd say we're probably about a seven point five. Okay, that's good. Seven, maybe something good. I mean, you know, yeah. So far, we're going to make it through this thing, and then the vaccine news is very good. So. That is very good. Yeah. I mean, we've had in the last two weeks, we've had uh, some very good news on the vaccine front. So hopefully that means we can return to some semblance of normalcy. Um, I don't know. Would you think? I don't know. America America actually having coronavirus front, not so good. No, 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 no. But in the long term, it certainly looks better. Honestly, I, I read somewhere that because um, I'm devouring this information because it's obviously that's what we're interested in. I've read somewhere that we may achieve herd immunity with the mixture of people having it, having already had it, plus the vaccine by as early as June. Uh, that's what I had heard as well. And Maybe that's I, not bad. It's something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get into what we wanted to talk about. Dave, you uh, came up with this podcast topic, but as soon as you told it to me and I started doing a little bit of thinking, I've got pretty much uh, most of one one page of, of a legal pad here and notes about this topic. And the topic that you wanted to talk about is conventional wisdom when it comes to your money. Conventional yep. wisdom. Right. And I I was starting, the reason I thought about this topic was I just thought about, okay, it's whatever. We'll call it the beginning of the year. You know, you're trying to think about what's going to happen with your money. And unlike any other year, 
somebody is going to be able to tell you events that have happened and let you make decisions about your money mm-hmm. on January 1. So they're going to tell you that on March, around the middle of March, we are going to have a once-in-a-century pandemic right? that is going to shut down the economy. And when we say shut down, we mean that literally everybody, for the most part, will be staying in their house for a good four to six weeks, that restaurants will close. You know, restaurants that you go to every day, you're not going to be doing that. You know, your drive to work, you're not going to be doing that. And you're not going to not be doing that for like a month or two. You're not going to be doing like that for, for the most part, the entire year. And yep. you know, restaurants, they're going to shut down. You know, Broadway, you know, that place where people go, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, totally. the crowded Broadway theater, shut down, nothing, zero. You know, totally dark. never happens ever. You know, football games, you like to go? Um, well, nobody will be going to those. So huge swaths of the economy will absolutely positively be shut down, um, including even just the normal travel you do to work. Your life will be completely disrupted. So on that, based on that, what do you want to do with your money as far as you want to put some money into the S&P 500, uh, S&P 500 index fund, or just sort of uh, right now move some some of your cash into stocks? What do you think? And I think most people, conventional wisdom, would think, um, gee, <laughs> instead of doing that, I think I'd just like to basically take all my money and put it in a mattress and hide. Right. Um, and as I just looked today, today being November 19th, the let me pull this up again. The S and P five hundred. I guess this would be as a close yesterday. Total return twelve point two six percent. Absolutely crazy. I, I mean, so and this is that's it's it's it is stunning to go back in a historical fashion and think about where we've been this year and to look at a number like that. The S and P five hundred. I think people would say if it's flat, that would be a miracle. But yeah. to be up over ten percent. No, I mean, <laughs> when you when you sit here and think back to the discussions and the predictions that were going on, um, you know, in in late February, early March, I mean, there was, you know, we were talking about the the second Great Depression here, you know, we were talking about the stock market potentially being down eighty percent, um, you know, that that was the kind of discussion that was going on, and frankly. If you had those predictive powers in January to say all this was going to happen, that doesn't seem that unreasonable. Um, you know, I, I even know that we had one client who real early on in this, I mean, the first day or two, he was calling up saying, I want to sell everything. And I thought he was crazy. And I'm going, well, it doesn't really make sense. This is not that big of a deal. And then three weeks later, he was looking brilliant. I, I mean, he looked he looked like a genius. I said, Oh my gosh, you know, he really knew what he was doing. And now we sit here in November 19th and say, how is this possible? The stock market is up this much. And obviously we're not in a fantastic place in the economy. Right. Um, I'm going to throw out another one for you. I uh-huh. know you have your own thing. I don't, I'm not yep. stepping on you, but here's another one. <clears throat> okay. So forget about the long term. We'll do a shorter one. You know, it's right before the election, and I don't know if you've noticed, yeah. but the the world, to say it's a contentious election, to say it's a polarized election, would be the greatest understatement of all time. Yeah. The current president has said, this is before the election, 
that no matter what, this is a fake and rigged election. So you know for sure one of two things would happen, that that president would win the election, in which case that wouldn't really be an issue, right? Yep. The other cases, the other candidate wins. Oh, quite frankly, even if that were to happen, you know, think about the polarization on the other side. Uh, think about everything we've had this year with uh, the racial mm-hmm. strife and all that. Yeah. What would happen if Trump had well, – I shouldn't even say this because right, as of right now, technically, we, quote, <laughs> don't know who won the election. But you know what I mean. <laughs> right. So if the, <clears throat> that election night had gone that way – you know, they had already boarded up not just Washington, D.C., but every city that's yeah. boarded up looking towards rise. If it goes the other way, which apparently it has, then you know there's going to be disruption about saying this isn't, you know, these returns. are, And that was already told to you right before it happened. So knowing that now, what do you want to do with some of your money in stocks? Yeah. Well, Once so again, you want to basically move into cash for a while and just let this settle out because you know it's going to not the, the stock market hates disruption and uncertainty. You know, just move it out for a while till the disruption and uncertainty is over, and then put it back in, or or what? And, yeah. and now, unfortunately, I don't have exact statistics on this one, but I'm going to go with you know since before the election till right after the election. You know, take a week before to now. A couple mm-hmm. hundred points, or I'm trying to think S and P. I'm I'm going to guess three to five percent up. Yeah, three percent maybe. Not no, down, I mean, not down ten percent, not down twenty percent. Yeah, I mean the market, the market. Um, uh, I can't pull up the exact numbers, but yeah, it has been positive. And you're but right. I mean, again, conventional you know, wisdom would. I mean, nobody. I don't blame anybody for thinking. Gee. <laughs> This is very uncertain. This election period, gosh, only knows what could happen. And I would not expect markets to react positively. Right. Well, and and um, I'll bring this up, one that I thought. I remember talking to you and, and a bunch of other people in June, July time frame. And obviously, at that point, the stock market had recovered quite a bit. But it was still a little bit below, maybe 10 or 15 percent below all-time highs. And I remember saying, well, okay, you know, it's recovered and maybe it's reasonable where it is, but there's no way that we're going to set all time highs in the stock market when we still have this coronavirus raging through our country. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, that's every day. Very logical discussion. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, what are we doing? We're setting all time highs now. So, you know, for me, not that I did anything on that. I certainly didn't trade any clients accounts or, or anything like that. Um, but for me, that's, you know, it's just added to the humility that you have to have when it comes to investing. Um, because let's, let's run through some of the conventional wisdom that I've written down here. And I mean, really, this is just me coming up with a list uh, of things that in the past have gone wrong. Uh, that were conventional wisdom. And then I'm going to give you one here at the end that I think you should pay attention to for going forward because I think this one might, in a sense, go wrong um, going forward. Um, okay. So let's let's start with some of the easy ones, Dave. Um, what about this idea back in 2006, 2007, that housing prices nationally had never experienced the decline so housing's a pretty safe bet. That's never going to go down on a national level. 
<laughs> and that, of course, was true until it wasn't. And then we saw, you know, I think it was a 27% decline in housing prices um, after that time period. In some areas, you know, it was, was even worse than that. Um, how about another one? I mean, this is just kind of a quick, easy one that Wall Street always says, sell in May and go away. You ever heard that one? Yes. And it's basically this idea, nothing good ever happens in the summertime, so just sell in May, go away, and then you come back and buy in the fall. Um, you know, and if you look at the data on that, it has not held up well, um, that actually there have been good returns in the summertime. Um, yeah, I remember um, just as an aside, I remember one client we had, I believe, showed us a chart about selling years ago about when it was, they showed us each month yep. and all this stuff. And I remember I, it was actually making my mind swim, and I had forgotten <laughs> to have my coffee, my <laughs> Starbucks right before that. But I do remember. Do you remember that the chart? Oh, I I know exactly that. what you're talking people, about. Yeah, a lot of people look at those month that monthly stuff because his argument was, you know, for the 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 investment product that he was in, it mattered when his contract anniversary fell. And for him, it fell in mid-November, and he was looking at this chart, and he was saying, well, it would have been really much better to have it fall in blah, blah, blah month. And yes, I mean, you can look at those charts, and, and with that data, you can always come up with good arguments as to, well, I should always sell. I mean, you've heard these things before. I should always sell when the uh, NFC wins the Super Bowl, and right. you know, I should buy when the AFC wins. Right. Oh yeah, there's that. There's that that thing about when a Republican or Democrat wins on a presidential year, it says something about the stock market. I forgot. There's one yeah. like stuff like that about the right. election. As a matter of fact, that has nothing yep. to do with anything logical. Yep. All right, but let's go back to ones. I mean, the ones that I'm more interested in are the ones that seem logical, right? That you could sit there and have a reasoned, intelligent discussion with someone. And the conclusion you come to can be 100% wrong. Um, so, you know, the housing price one. How about this idea? I wrote this one down that gold is a safe investment or that it's a, a good protection against inflation. Um, you know, we hear this from people a lot. They, you know, and, and this kind of tends to be the news outlets that they listen to and follow, promote gold as a safe investment. And the thing about gold, when you look at it, and this is the response I give anytime people ask about it, is gold is an incredibly risky investment. You know, the volatility in gold is about double the volatility that you experience in stocks. So you're talking about something that fluctuates around an awful lot. Now, people will say, that's okay, I'm okay with volatility, I just like the fact that it's not correlated to stocks. And it does have a pretty low correlation to stocks, but basically over the long term, if you invest in gold, you're getting something that just matches inflation. You're not getting anything that produces any excess returns beyond that. Right. Um, so I'm going to throw that into that category it's there. It's a good one. Here's one that I think is, is a little bit analogous to our situation right now. Um, think back to 2008, 2009, obviously the financial crisis. Um, what the government did at that time seemed like an absolutely incredible, 
stimulus package of, I think it was eight or $900 billion. Um, that seems pretty small when you talk about the coronavirus one we had in the spring at $2.2 trillion. But still, back in 08, 09, you're talking eight, $900 billion. And you've got the Federal Reserve doing its quantitative easing program. And if you don't remember, you know, never really cared, what does quantitative easing mean? Basically means that the Federal Reserve is printing money and buying bonds, kind of flooding the marketplace out there. So what was the natural conclusion? Just made total perfect sense. There was no way to argue around it. The natural conclusion from these actions, we were going to see big inflation numbers. And we were going to see the dollar fall relative to other currencies in the world. Right. And, and that's what any economist will tell you. You know, if you go to Venezuela and you start printing money off, what are you going to have? You're going to have runaway inflation. You're going to have the dollar or whatever currency fall relative to other currencies. Um, what have we seen since 2008, 2009? Virtually no inflation and the dollar strengthening relative to most currencies in the world. Right. And it's hard when you go to the experts. I remember remember that meeting we went to? I forgot it was some Fed vice president. And he was like, okay, let's go to this one. You and I only go to ones we think might be interested. This was a long time ago. Because yep. I, I remember they were the guy was predicting by 2014 or something like that. Yep. For 2015, that the market would just be going down. And it seemed so obvious, and he had a bunch of charts, and he was a former Fed vice president. Yeah. We went up but, the turf, we went up the turf valley country club, and you're right. He was like a former president of the Federal Reserve Bank from Texas, and he laid out all this evidence. And, uh, and you and I walked away and said, wow, that, that was really compelling. I mean, he showed us, you know, P.E. ratios going back for 100 plus years and why the market was overvalued by 27 percent and pretty much imminent. We were going to have a big decline. And what happened? It's a good thing we didn't act for you guys, our clients on that meeting. Yeah, because, I mean, from 2013, basically, you know, we had a little little blip uh, in 2018, but otherwise, stock markets, you know, have been on a an absolute tear. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's another one where conventional wisdom or or the you could even say instead of conventional wisdom, you know, the most reasoned, rational arguments out there, you know, just don't make sense to make these big changes. Right. Um. I want to touch on one more, and then I'm going to talk about my one that I think might be wrong in the future. Um, so one more that that's been wrong. Um, what about this idea? And if you've got to you've got to follow the investing world pretty closely to know what I'm talking about here. But maybe you've heard us talk about it. Um, something that's called factor investing. Um, and factor investing is basically looking at stock returns and really breaking it down and saying. Okay, small cap stocks tend to outperform large cap stocks. Value stocks tend to outperform growth stocks. And going through all these different factors and saying, okay, these factors tend to produce excess returns. So let's weight our portfolios towards these factors. 
And you can go through all this research and once again, goes back for a hundred years and shows you all the times when these things have, have proven to be true. And I just looked up just to pick on one particular thing. If we look at small cap value stocks, right? So small cap factor and value since 2009, the financial crisis, they've returned about 300%. What have large cap stocks returned in that same time period? It's about 530%. Yep. So, you know, this is another thing where, well, all the good reasoned evidence would say, put all your money in small cap value. Did that make sense? No. You know, you, you know, you're much better off having that broadly diversified portfolio. Um, and I have a conventional wisdom. Am I interrupting good. you on whatever you nah, want? But go for my it. conventional wisdom going forward okay. would be simpler and basically this. Okay. So now, uh, as far as what we'll call, forget the stock market, but the real economy is not looking so good. We are in the midst of coronavirus, and it is going crazy. The, the notion that we would have, forget about a, a government shutdown. What about just people shutdown that we're going to have during the winter is going to be pretty harsh and pretty harsh on the economy. Yep. But but the vaccine and spring will be coming. It's pretty darn apparent that we will all, you know, those of us who want it, will be vaccinated, and that if I were to look out not just for four months or six months, but if I were to look out for the rest of the year, 2021, and even into the first half of 2022, that, that looks good. Yeah. The economy will come back. Everything will be open again. The economy is bound to roar back. And I would expect the S&P 500 to be up, you know, if it's around 3,500 today or wherever it is, 3,550, I would certainly expect that it should be up to about at least 500 points higher, you know, by the middle of 2022. That's conventional wisdom now. Looking yeah. forward on a positive side, not a negative side, but same thing. Do I know what is going to hamper? Do I personally know what's going to hamper that prediction? Do I have a prediction that's going to No, I don't. No. Yeah. But but I would not bet on it for the same reason that we know that conventional wisdom sometimes does not work out. Thus, I would not place what in the world of our world of retirement planning and investment planning is a short-term bet, a bet yep. through the middle of 2020, uh, 21, or a bet to the, you know, to the middle of 2022 is a short-term bet right. in our world. Uh, I wouldn't go the other way either with something that I can't poke holes into the argument now, but we have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. Well, I, I think that's a, a reasonable one to put out there that, you know, to just to point out of what could go wrong there. Um, mine is, is sort of along the same lines, but over a longer term uh, time horizon. You know, my thing that I think will be wrong is this idea that people should just stick to a 60-40 portfolio and 6040 will serve them just as well in the future as it has in the past. Um, so what when I that? say, when I say 6040 portfolio, I basically mean 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Um, and when we talk about this, I always break this down in terms of, okay, stocks, I, you know, I have no idea what stocks are going to return in the future. 
you know, if you listen to firms like Goldman Sachs, um, you know, they're kind of predicting for U.S. stocks six to eight percent returns over the next decade. Um, you know, Vanguard's a little more conservative, saying, you know, six to seven percent. Okay, fine. It it is what it is. Um, but I think that that 40 percent that's in bonds is really going to let people down um, because bonds right now you're sitting with historically low interest rates. And I know it seems long in the future, but at some point, interest rates will go up. And I think people are going to be really disappointed with the bond portion of their portfolio. Um, so I don't know if I'm kind of crowbarring that into a no, conventional you know wisdom, but you're not though, because conventional wisdom right now. So you're, you're basically playing the opposite of conventional wisdom. Conventional yeah, I mean, right now, interest rates are so low, and the Fed's never going to raise. Wow, oh, right. You know, it's not just the Fed. I mean, interest rates can go up for a bunch of – there was a spike once there was that first vaccine news from Pfizer. Yep. Did you notice that interest rates spiked up a little bit? Uh, I, day, I a guess little I bit. wasn't paying that close I attention. I was. Huh. See, I can pay attention to statistical <laughs> facts, too, occasionally. <laughs> so you don't know what's actually going to make interest rates go up. All we know now is that they're historically low. Yeah. That's all we know now. Um, but yeah, in the, as you play it out far, you're, you're going to have interest rates probably. I mean, I would think if conventional wisdom is wrong that they're not going to keep them at historical lows forever. Right. And, and that could be another, another good point. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Hope everybody has a safe and uh, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, no matter what happens through all this, we'll get through it. And thanks for listening.